I hope you guys are having a fantastic Tuesday. Tony Gonzalez coming to you from GarageCast. Today we have on a gentleman by the name of Nate Stickney, a high revving owner, general manager of a power sports store named Sky Power Sports in the Orlando, Florida area. Nate is progressive. He's a go-getter and he does things differently and has become highly successful at being an owner operator in his store and in his 20 club. Have a listen to Nate Stickney. You're going to love this episode of GarageCast. We're going to do our best to get new thinking out there. There's going to be discussions centered around growth and new thinking. That's where those great ideas come from, exploring them together. Nuggets that you can go back and put into your dealership that'll help you make more money. This is GarageCast. Welcome to GarageCast. We are nearing the end of January, and we have an interview here. Dancer, we've actually tried to get this on this guy on several times. We actually had him on once, but then we had technical difficulties with the amount of people that we had on the interview, and we we haven't since got him back on. But I'm I'm pretty super pumped about well, this. Well, quite frankly, and looking back at that, I think we should have dropped everybody else and kept Nate on. That's Damn. that's how we should have handled that situation. Damn, that is that's saying a lot about uh, Alpizer, <laughs> Orange, and Northy. Well, they'll they'll just have to email us and and give good reasons why they should be on. Which Philip will actually be typing that as we're talking. Still, Justin and Chaz will be like, "Yeah, well, kiss my ass. I don't want to be on your podcast." <laughs> so, <laughs> Probably um, so. Yeah. yeah. So listen, I, I want to get into the thick of this because this guy has a lot to say. I, I've been, I've been blessed to have Nate Stickney in uh, one of my twenty clubs that I moderate for years now, and the level of business acumen the difference in the manner in which he operates and just the questions and answers that he brings to his 20 club are fantastic. Everybody's in for a good treat here. I just want to introduce Nate Stickney. He is the owner and operator of Sky Power Sports Sanford, which is in the Orlando area. And you're going to hear that he is a highly successful owner GM of his store. Uh, So Nate, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Fantastic, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for that glowing uh, intro. <laughs> Listen, we don't bullshit where bullshit is not necessary. So let's let's jump into this, Nate. And and that's, you know, standard question that we like to ask a lot of people, because for those of the people that don't know who you are in the industry, you have a long history in power sports. Give the listeners a quick bio of, of who you are and how you got here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite the uh, origin story. And it'll take up a lot of time, but I'll try to make it brief because we got more important stuff to get to than talk about myself the whole time. But, um, you know, I grew up in northern Michigan in a rural town called Alpena. It's actually a little factory town and uh, there's not a whole lot of opportunity there uh, for income opportunities and jobs. And, you know, in my household, we didn't talk a lot about college and careers and that sort of thing. So, I was quick to get out of get out of Dodge, right? So when I graduated graduated high school, it was like let's hit the road. I got to find opportunities. I kind of got to, you know, start the journey. So I ended up in Detroit, Michigan, which is you know a big city, and found a great opportunity to work in a Harley Davidson dealership through a friend. They hired me with no experience at all. They put me in the parts counter, and I kind of just spent the next few years kind of getting kicked around a little bit, trying to find my way. 
down then or back then in, in the nineties, late nineties, uh, that was when chopper culture was really big. Yeah. A lot of guys coming in, you know, shovel head parts, you know, points and condensers. And I don't know if you guys remember that magazine, the horse back then, man, it was a really cool kind of like rat rod motorcycle magazine. Those guys are all local. So they were always coming in the shop. So I was getting, getting my teeth kicked in a little bit, but at the same time, learning how to deal with difficult people and, Kind of earn respect and 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 find my way through the motorcycle business, but through that I made a lot of friends uh, in the in the shop. You know, my family kind of became the technicians, and through that, you know, they were always, "Hey, you got to come join us. You got to be a technician." And that was the cool thing mm. to be back then. I mean, you think back, you know, and during those times, you know, the techs were the cool guys, right? Um, you didn't really look at the salesmen and the the guys in the front of the house as the you know the cool dudes that it was the, it was the, it was the technicians in the back. So um, they convinced me to go to motorcycle mechanics Institute in Orlando. And so I packed all my stuff up and moved to Orlando. I quickly discovered that, you know, I, it just wasn't for me. It was almost like going into a, a, a juvenile detention center. It felt like, you know, it was like, just not the vibe there was off, man. Like T- Tony you know, can it, relate it, exactly to what you're talking about. Just so you know, fire department, fire department juvenile delinquents. I love it. We all were. Yeah, man. It, it, I mean, it was fun, but it just, I wasn't connecting with it. And, you know, I saw, I dropped out after like three months and uh, luckily was able to land um, in a metric store. You know, I actually went into the Harley dealers in the area and they didn't really have any opportunities for me. So I landed in a metric store. It was a ride now store. They had just come in and kind of, they were scooping up dealers left and right. And uh, they really had a program that they took young individuals with, you know, tenacity and hustle and took them through the ranks very quickly. So one minute I was a salesman, then I was a finance manager, then I was a floor manager, then I was a sales manager. So I was just kind of going through the ranks uh, in those stores and uh, learned a ton of things about the business and, um, you know, built my way through it and, you know, working through a few different companies and eventually had the amazing opportunity to buy my own store and, and, and partner with somebody. And, um, it, it was a fantastic journey. A couple things that I didn't know is I didn't know that you started in parts. So that's, that's super cool. Another thing I didn't know, I didn't know that you actually were a, were a, a beauty school dropout, dude, that you <laughs> went to, you went to service, uh, to school and you're like, screw this. But, um, that, that's, uh, that's a super awesome story. And that I, I love those stories about the homegrown organic. I started yep. and, and you started back in the days, you know, where working at a power sports dealership, chopper culture was like the baddest damn thing you could ever do. It's, it's hilarious. As you told me that one of the things I, that has been popping up on my YouTube feed is are all those choppers from back in the day. There's a lot of people that rate those now and they're like, why you should never ever buy an orange County chopper or why this West coast chopper is a piece of shit. And they're, they're, you know, they're worth like $6,000 now, you know, basically for scrap, but it's, it's hilarious that it takes you back to, Dude, when those things were like $65,000 or $80,000 and you would have, you would have mortgaged your house to have one. It was, was, that was cool. Had like a 300 rear tire on it. You had to pull it over in the turns just to get the thing to move. You know what I love? I love that you're talking about when the techs, those were the cool guys. I'm like, somebody sold you a bill of goods. If somebody (laughs) told you the techs were the cool guys, because even back then, I don't know the magazine, the horse, but when you said rat rod, 
I, I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, every service rider in the world has seen that bike roll up. And you're just looking at it like, what a POS. The guy's like, yeah, it's all ratted out. I'm like, well, that's, that is one way to say that. I would say it yeah, a different yes. way. Yeah, flat black, uh, everything, you know. <laughs> yeah. Rattle can, we used to call it. So just building those well, bobbers and stuff was just, it was, it was fun, fun times. And they put a white set of grips on it and they're like, yeah, it's my rat rod. I'm like, all right, dude, you and your rat rod. But look, so Humble Beginnings, you end up with a partner, and now you're sitting here number one Ducati dealership in North America, which is pretty sweet. That's not like saying number one Aprilia dealership, like you sold four of them. Ducati is, that is a respectable brand to be number one in. And you consider this to be a separate rooftop from Sky Power Sports. So success like this is not an accident. It doesn't happen. Obviously, you took everything you learned along the way. What are some ingredients to that success model? Right. So let's let's set the record straight. It's North and South America. <laughs> North oh, and South. Oh, yeah. I yeah, like so. so so I do have a I I actually have a, a question now that you brought that up since I was gonna follow up, but what entity is the number one Ducati dealer on earth? Like who's who's bigger out there? Is it somewhere in Italy? Do you know or well, they have, you know, it's broken up. They have their European dealer, then they have their Asian market, and then they have their North and South America, you know, so that includes. So Canada you're probably, too, so. you're probably, you're probably the guy. You could be you know the global what? dude. We probably could be. And, you know, I told my team, I said, you know what? I don't want to just win this one time. I'd like, I, I look at this. We're like the Jordan era bulls. We're a dynasty team. We're going to take this thing year over year over year. And uh, that's that's the momentum we have right now. We're super excited and honored to even, you know, be, you know, have the opportunity. Hey, if Jason Chinnick's answering your uh, emails and phone calls, you're ahead of most dealers in the country. So I'll give you that much as well. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he, 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 he won't. Yeah, he well, you should email him. Say, hey, I was just on GarageCast and you won't go on there. GarageCast, man, you should yeah. you should maybe take some time. Forty five minutes is all it takes. <laughs> He'll say, what is okay. that? I don't know what GarageCast is. Well, if he shows up on your podcast, we'll know where that came from. Okay, let's see. Let's see what kind of horsepower you got, buddy. And that's how the email should go. It should go, hey, I am the number one dealer on the face of the earth. Right. And I have a request. Matter of fact, I have a mandate. A demand. <laughs> anyway. Remind them of your status and now tell us how you got there. Yes. So like Sam said, you know, it is a separate rooftop. I mean, it's under one building, but we built this out as an exclusive Ducati dealership. And so we had to create separation. So that store literally has its own entrance, its own service department, its own staff. It is a separate operating store. That was some of the requirements that they wanted in order for us to get the franchise. But at the same time, you know, I felt there's a lot of benefit that comes with that too, kind of giving the customers that exclusivity. So, you know, how we got there, you know, is basically just building an amazing team and a community around the dealership. You know, we have just an amazing group of customers that, you know, they just come back over and over and over again. And they like to spend time in the dealership. And, you know, we really take pride in, you know, our Ducati owners club and the riding groups and, you know, inviting them in for, you know, to watch the MotoGP races. And we've just really created a good, strong community and that's helped us. But the team, I mean, we got Ducati Dave in there and there's, there's, you know, just an endless stacked team of talent that has helped us, you know, really, drive the business. So um, the marketing is, is, is really strong there. I really try to kind of elevate, you know, every year, you know, what can we do better than we did the year before? You know, is that, you know, let's look at our marketing and see where there's incremental opportunities to kind of advance things. You know, what, what can we do to drive the business more? So when you come in and you're just constantly trying to elevate, there's just, there's no stopping you. 
I have a follow-up to you on that one. And I'm just, you mentioned community plus your team. And I think every dealership out there says they have a, well, I hope they say they have a really good team. But those events, talk to us a little bit about those events. Cause I think during COVID they went away. A lot of people haven't brought them back. You mentioned inviting them in to watch MotoGP, which I love that idea. What other type events are you doing to bring that Ducati culture into your store on an ongoing basis? I like to segment my events into like um, by brand, you know, and just kind of hyper focus on each individual brand. So like with Ducati, when we do an event, I'm going to make sure that it's exclusive to them. And um, it feels just more, uh, you know, you're rolling the red carpet out for that customer and that brand. And then, you know, for like our BMW business, where you have a separate club for BMW and, you know, we're going to tailor that event a little bit differently to the BMW customer. And then we do other things, you know, like uh, we'll do an event for Suzuki. Whenever they launch a new bike, we'll, we'll do something for that. So they're kind of like micro pop-up events that I do and they're low cost. There's not a lot of money involved. It's just, you know, it's a lot of laying the groundwork and setting expectations with the staff to make sure that they're, you know, executing on the event. And it's, it's, you know, we're taking care of business and making sure the customers are getting a great experience. So there's nothing really super unique we're doing. A lot of this stuff has been around for centuries. It's just, we're just proactive and we're just doing it. And we're making sure when we do have an event, you know, my team's out there engaging with people and talking and, you know, we're making it, you know, it's not awkward for people to come and visit us. Like we're trying to sell them anything. It's like, we're just come on in and hang out. Nate, you have said in the 20 club numerous times, something that I think has been lost on events uh, and why I think dealerships struggle greatly with them in, in today's times. And it's, it's a, it's a factor of, in my opinion of age. And what I mean by that is I think of a lot of the, lot of the generation Xers like me that own the business, they used to be involved in those riding groups or the events, right? The owner would be there and would either be, you know, cooking burgers or hanging out with the band or, or riding the actual units. And that is one of the things that you said was a key to your success was you get involved. Like, I don't just say, listen, we're going to cook burgers, bring your Ducati down and we'll, we'll have a ride. You're like, I, I get involved and we make it, you don't make it, you don't throw a whole lot of money at it, but it's just like your people, your, your DNA and your fingerprints are all over that event. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And like, you know, collaborating with others is, is super important. You know, when you have a meeting with your team, ask your team what, what they think would be a cooler, a cool event or how we can, you know, elevate an event. What can we do better? And then talk to your customers. And I found that like, you know, working with outside businesses too is helpful. You know, whether it's working with, uh, you know, a local coffee place or, um, geez, I mean, we partnered with a, a, a local gym and did like a cars and coffee with them. I mean, we just, uh, we, we do so many different things outside of the dealership too, just to, you know, stay out there in the community and let people know that we're, you know, we're being seen and heard and just have fun with it. You brought up something that I kind of want to circle back on, which is, you know, that, that Ducati is, you consider that a completely separate dealership within your dealership has its own, you know, it has its own area, its own service department, its own entrance and so on and so forth. So, you know, if you guys are ever in the Sanford area and you have the opportunity to go in and look at Nate's dealership, I highly encourage you to because not only is his and you know he Nate started in in ownership with two separate dealerships that needed pretty severe you know upgrades and stuff and able to purchase some land and buy a building and completely create it from your vision. So 
let, let's make sure we understand that. But the vision was pretty cool. You know, you can you can definitely see the difference in Ducati and what. But the thing that really, when I visited the dealership, that kind of blew my mind. And I sat back and I thought to myself, why are more more dealerships not doing this? Which is, you have your your parts and accessories department and kind of like your showroom and your sales department, you have it kind of segmented off, right? So like you have, for lack of a better word, word, I don't know if you call them like little cubicles or cubbies that are like 20 by 20 boxes kind of where you can go in and you can, you can look at different things in different places versus just having a bunch of shit on a wall that runs forever or your typical, you know, uh, rolling display cases where you put your oil and stuff like that. You segment it off. I, I would love to hear kind of how it works and and how you staff it and, and a little bit about your P&A, PG&A model. Yeah. So when I was designing the store, I just, I, I was looking at like stores like REI, stores like an Ikea where you're walking through there and there's like these just little pop-up displays of uh, everything is segmented out, you know? And, and so if I'm going to go and look at helmets, I want to go into a helmet room and I want all the helmet stuff and the communication systems all in that area. So it's almost like a private fitting room for helmets. And then, you know, when you go into, I want to look at UTV stuff, I'm going to make sure I have a UTV area. That's, that's all I'm going to see in there. And it just goes on and on, you know, our Indian area is separated, you know, they have their kind of exclusive footprint in there. And then we got BMW. So, and we created lounges within there that fit the, um, um, the style of that particular brand. So I just, I think it's really important when, you know, the customers visiting the dealership, when they're walking in, they know where they need to go. And when they get there, they feel like they're in the right place rather than just walking into a sea of bikes, product everywhere. You got product sitting on the ground. The slat wall is half empty. There's stuff hanging off the ceiling that makes no sense. And there's the branding is way off. So I really wanted a professional, modern era, clean store that customers could visit. And when they walk into our store, it's unlike basically all the competition in the area. They just, they can't, when they come into our store, they are getting a different experience and they will spend more money than going to that competition just because of the vibe in there. You know, it's electric when you walk into my store. So everybody understands you you, you can't really fully grasp unless you go in to see the store is it he's not talking about going into special rooms but but it is like you're going into a special room it's like walled off in these little kiosks with their like own lighting and like you said you you walk into like this really cool helmet area with all things helmet and then you can go to the next one and you know it could be all atv utv roofs and stuff it's really cool how it's segmented out and i really think nate that a lot of dealers could do it even in their existing structure, if they just threw a little money at it, where they just put up some really nice looking walls to segment stuff off. So I'm it's, it, it left a definite impression on me. Yeah. I think it could be done anywhere. It's just, it's just a matter of getting in there with some vision and some, you know, know-how and, and just making it happen, taking action. You know, sometimes you walk into these stores and you look around, you're like, wow, this would be quite an overhaul to to do this, but you just got to do it, man. You know, you got to clean up your shops you got to clean up your service departments. There's just so much, there's so many dealers out there that are, you know, just not on the gas and they're letting their facilities fall apart. You know, at the end of the day, I'm just going to keep winning um, because of that. Because when they come to my store, we're just on a different level. I I love that too. And I, I really want you to understand if you spend five minutes with Nate, you're going to understand that what he is saying does not come from 
cocky or hubris. It's not like, hey, man, I'm better than you. It's that Nate just believes in his culture, his people, his processes, and he's going to benefit from those. So I I love that, dude. Yeah, I mean, another part of that is, you know, and I know we'll talk about this maybe later on with COVID, but, you know, when we were making hay, we were reinvesting into our facilities. You know, we were making very smart moves to, you know, set us up for future, you know, and I know a lot of dealerships don't have that mindset, you know, they're pulling money out and they're just not reinvesting in their buildings and, you know, their, their capital is shrunk and they're just, they're not, they're not doing it the right way. And, you know, they're going to pay the price in the long term because when they go to sell their dealership down the road, it ain't going to be worth anything because mm. they're dumps. Tony, you, you mentioned culture. I'm going to circle back on that with you one second, Nate, but I just sit here and I think uh, as a consumer, when I walk in, I'm not walking in to the P&A department for everything. I, I have a purpose in mind. I needed some adventure bike riding gear today. Tomorrow, I may need a new helmet and a visor and some communications to go along with that, right? I may need some cold weather gear on another time. And so for you to have that all in one place, it just makes it more fun. I have to believe your line items for ticket and your average ticket considered to be are considerably higher than the, than the national average and your group average as a result as well, yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're a little higher, but we can do better. You know, we're always trying to get a little more there. So, so there's that paper cut mentality. You know, we always talk about death by paper cuts. It's never one thing. It's always a bunch of little things. And then the, the, the level of excellence is the reverse of paper cuts, right? It's just those incremental gains everywhere you look that's available. That's a mindset you just had. And that probably speaks to my question, which has to do with culture. Uh, Tony speaks very highly of the culture inside your store. I haven't been there yet. I clearly need to with two Ducatis in the garage, but... Tell, tell me about your culture. How do you get the buy-in on culture? What is your culture inside that store? Yeah, man. I mean, we just have a good core group of management and leaders in the store. I can't put up with complacency, you know, so that's just something you have to kill, you know, when that starts to creep up in your dealerships. And, you know, I do that through just being really engaged with the staff, you know, whether it's having, you know, weekly management meetings, you know, making sure the departments are having huddles daily with their teams and, you know, having staff meetings and not just making it like a, you know, a regular meeting. You got to pump it up, man. You got to bring like that Ric Flair, you know, style to the meetings and pump the place <laughs> up. It. I mean, you can't have these lame meetings where everyone's kind of hanging around, sipping on their coffee, you know, listening to the same old shit every time. Like you got to, br- you got to bring, bring it up a notch. So I like to really kind of just stay on top of my team and my leaders and make sure that that's being passed down throughout the organization but it takes work. It doesn't happen overnight. But I can tell you when there's toxicity in your dealership, there's people that just spread toxic behaviors. You need to eliminate them swiftly, quickly, because that will just completely infest your dealership. So I just I, I just can't put up with that type of behavior. Yeah, I love that. Uh, there's a Nick Saban quote out there that you have people on your team who, who believe in a discipline and execution of excellence. And then you have some that don't want to work that hard to get there. And as long as you have those second tier people on the team with your first tier people, you're never going to win the championship, which I think is yeah, awesome. I mean, yeah, my, my really- team, they, they want to win, you know, uh, they, 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 they love it. You know, when we go and we have these, these meetings, like they're, they're pumped up, they're rallied, they want to win. We set goals. We set expectations. We hold everybody accountable. It's just, it's like a, um, it's an amazing culture. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm sounding a little big headed or cocky on this thing, but I mean, I'm just telling you, man, Mm-mm. it's, we, we've really worked hard at it and I'm proud of my people. I just have an amazing team. 
you're not again, I, I will repeat after knowing Nate for years is he's one of the most humble people you're going to know. He just, he just believes passionately in what he does in business. So in that vein, Nate, this is another thing that I love about the entire sky power sports organization, which you guys are strong believers and, and especially the, the manner in which you operate, not only on text threads or emails or answering questions within the 20 club environment, you are a believer that you create your own economy and activity within your own walls. You, you say things like, it's funny, you know, we'll have a dealer that'll, that'll say, man, you know, with the current incentives or climate from X brand, I'm having a really impossible time on doing this. And I can't seem to get customers to that. And Nate will just simply answer back fake news, sell more bikes. <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all he'll say is that. And and people know like, okay, well, I got checked on that for, so, so I, I love this. And I think that, that it works very well, especially post COVID because you guys were on the gas before COVID. You know, your, your bottom line operating profit was stout. You guys kept it and if not raised it through COVID and there has not been even a break in pace post COVID. So while others simply cannot or have not, what's the philosophy there? We just, we, we want to thrive regardless of, you know, economic conditions. So I try to, I mean, I'm a realist and I like to plan and, and be prepared, but at the same time, you know, regardless of, you know, the economic conditions out there, we're going to find a way to back our way into it or, or move forward and just do out of the box things to try to remain profitable and moving units and taking care of the customers. So um, it's just a philosophy I have that, you know, just, just keep pushing maximum effort, regardless of the, you know, the, the weather outside, you know, we're going to, we're going to make shit happen. Right. So I always seem to, thrive when my back's against the wall. I like pressure. I like to be in those situations. I like challenges. So, you know, it's fun. It, it keeps your blood pumping. Do you allow for those conversations to come in as far as, you know, that, that the uh, MIC says X and Polk industry says Y, or are you just worried about next door swing digital or otherwise? Yeah. I mean, I'm mainly looking at my local market. I mean, Florida, we've been blessed, you know, and uh, we're in a very strong market and there's a lot of, a lot of growth you know, so I'm looking more at local economic data and, you know, we'll talk about it, but it's not going to be a focal point. You know, we're going to maybe look at some things and then find opportunities to, you know, make, make, hay. you know, that's, that's what we do. Yeah. So I'm just, I have, I'm, I'm a big believer in the law of attraction and having a positive mental attitude. And I just, uh, this is how I do things. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Ed used to say when times are good, the sale of motorcycles alcohol and chocolate always go up and when times are bad the sale of motorcycles chocolate and and uh, and motorcycles go up it always goes up right you're either drowning your sorrows or you're excited to have the new one but uh people want these products you know i nate you may not know this but i i work with a big marine organization called one water i do some training with them every year and uh the boat shows are usually a good indication on where the economy is going for them in that one-based industry and they've already had, they have several boat shows at the time of this recording under the belt, and they are up over last year in every single one of them right now. So, you know, just put your head down. You got product and we got customers that want it. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, incremental opportunities. That's something I'm always preaching to my team. You know, let's look at things. Yep. This month is slow. January has been not that great. So, hey, where are our opportunities? Let's individually, let's look at our departments and look at our teams and find 
little things where we can, you know, move the, uh, move the needle and that's all going to play out, you know, and it's going to help that bottom line towards the end of the month. So we really got to dig in deep and, and look for those incremental opportunities. You mentioned killing complacency earlier, and I really like that phrase. Yeah. And, and, and that, let me ask you, how many people do you have in your dealership? Uh, we're running about 40-ish right now. So, so how do you navigate 40-ish personalities with a mindset of always moving forward, you know, positivity, let's just sell the next year. And how do you navigate those with this killing complacency vision? Yeah. Communication is key. You got to make sure you're getting in front of problems quickly. And that includes problems staff is having, you know? So sometimes I look at myself, I'm a, I'm a guidance counselor, you know, and you know, my office is a little therapy. Sometimes it's going to be a little therapy session that happens in there, but you have to do it. You cannot let things linger and um, boil over. You have to, when you, when you, when you know, someone's in the dumps or, you know, they have a certain personal issue or, you know, things are happening. You, you got to get in front of it. You know, toxicity, when you hear, when you hear those things happening or if someone's backbiting another employee, you got to go and get, get that handled quickly. You can't wait on that. You have to do it fast. Otherwise that stuff will infest your store. So that's the main thing, you know, with complacency, just staying in front, front of it, you know, um, with, you know, sales managers and some of the higher level people in the store, you know, during COVID, they made a lot of money, you know, they say, Pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered, right? So mm-hmm. um, I had to have really tough conversations with them, you know, early last year, you know, to sit down and look at their comp plans and kind of look at how things were laid out. And, you know, it, it's, it, you know, they ended up to be really productive conversations. And these guys, they want us, our organization is so strong and so fun to work for. They want, they're, they're willing to, you know, do whatever needs to be done, you know, to, to be a part of it. So it's just communication. Do, do you have your staff now? self-checking as well, right? Because because a lot of times it's, you'll hear the owner say, if I'm not in the walls every single day, every hour, uh, it, it just won't happen. Culture leaves when I leave the store. You've created a culture with yourself of setting the bar high and expecting a lot from your staff, but in killing complacency in management and the personalities in a dealership that you have to deal with, do you find that you now have a culture where people also can self-report themselves or at least be called out by the managers and be like, Hey, you know, it's more than just a bad day that you're having. You're starting to get a little negative or whatnot. Yes. Yes. And you know, two heads are always better than one as, as my mentor rock North, he says, uh, so sometimes you got to get together with your, uh, with staff and talk up, you know, if they know an employee is having issues, you got to talk to the manager and you guys, you and the manager kind of work together to come up with a way to approach them and handle that specific situation. So you're working together, working as a team to, to solve some of these matters. I'd like that. If they, if the team's all, if they have that ownership mentality, then they're trying to fix that problem early on, just as you're talking about, you want to get in front of it with the staff as well. So it's a, that's great when you can get it to that level where they're looking out for each other. Absolutely. You know, you and I had a talk at uh, our last 20 club in Nashville a couple of months back. And, you know, we were, we were talking about health and uh, you know, you walked in the room and you were uh, a whole lot slimmer than you were before. And you told me that you started watching your wellness and, and to talk about the importance of mental health. Uh, and that was hard in the last part of 23 and you're going to carry that into 24. So give us your thoughts on how this ties into your dealership, because this is something that I try and teach this anytime I can, which is, 
you know, Sam and I get accused of being blowhards for, you know, process and, and ramping up the staff. And then I'll bring in something like, Hey man, and, and this kind of pisses some people off until I get through it, which is sometimes you need to take a day off and sometimes you need to go on vacation and sometimes you need to eat better. And sometimes you need to go to the gym because if you're not doing that and not taking care of yourself, well, you can't possibly take care of others and, and home and all that stuff. Give me your philosophy on, on what we talked about. Yeah, I mean, in 2020, 2021, when COVID was really kind of on on the uptick, um, we were doing a ton of business and making some money and life was good. But, you know, I wasn't feeling the hottest, you know, I, I was really um, kind of got into a little bit of a dark place and, you know, suffered with some depression and, and gained a bunch of weight and just really got was uh, not feeling my best. I was able to, in 22, just, I kind of had a reset. You know, I finally just said, you know what, I got to change this. You know, I'm thriving in all the in business and, you know, I got a beautiful family at home and things are so good. Like I need, I need to change my, my, well, my life my, or my, uh, my health. And so I really put some focus on that and I made some really, it wasn't easy in the beginning, but I, I made some really big moves and I'm in like an amazing place, but I've been able to take that journey and share it with my team. And now they're seeing that. And it's starting to, I'm seeing them take steps to change their health. And that's good for the dealership because we're getting our ass kicked all day long. I mean, we're dealing in a very high pressure environment and there's a lot of uh, expectation and it's not easy what we do, you know, in this profession. So we really got to, you know, as people in this industry, we need to look, take a hard look at our health and, you know, where we're at. And, 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 and make some good positive moves there because it's super important, man. If we want to be here, you know, I see guys in their fifties and sixties and seventies still working in these stores and they're beat down, man. Life isn't over when you're 60, 70 years old. So the things you're doing now, if you're listening to this and you're your forties, fifties, there's steps you can take right now to really add longevity to your life and, and make, and make, it's going to all come back and how you perform it in, in the dealership too. So this is something I try not to preach it too much, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm seeing it make a major impact inside my store and it, it's really been amazing. So I tell you, Nate, we teach a lot of this in the management academies. Uh, we start off with work-life balance. How many of you have heard that? We go around the room. What do you think that means and everything? And what I conclude is that there's no such thing as work-life balance. There's just life and work is a bullet point of life. And so are your kids and so is your fitness and so are your family, your family, right? It's all, it's all part of life. And so, you know, I don't think it's till you quantify it that people really understand it because we came up in a generation, all three of us of, you know, ding to dong till the last customer goes home and sometimes seven days a week. And, but the reality is if you're flaming out on all these really important parts of your life, then you're not bringing a hundred percent of you to the table. You're bringing 70% of you to the table. So would I rather have somebody there six days a week at 70% or would I rather have somebody there, um, you know, five days a week at a hundred percent. And there's something you can put some math to and run the numbers on. But I think as we all get older, we realize that that is just a critical component. 2021, I think you said you were really in a bad place and you're obviously not bringing all of yourself to the table in that scenario. So I applaud your efforts and trying to push that down to your team. Yeah. And, you know, as owners and GMs and, you know, we need to really look at our benefit packages too, and, you know, making it, a big part of what we offer and build value and, you know, being employed in our dealerships, you know, 
I think there's a lot of opportunity to sit down with your staff and, and show them what all the little things that are available to them in some of these packages we're offering. Because honestly, for years there, I didn't know some of the things we had to offer employees until, you know, it got to the point where, you know, I needed some of those resources and I looked into it and I said, wow, this is, you know, not, not only is Sky Power Sports like a thriving, amazing business to work for and I can make a lot of income. Well, heck, they got a lot of amazing health benefits too that I, I didn't know about. And that adds value. So the guy that's maybe making, you know, 20 bucks an hour and as a lot porter in the shop, whatever, you know, you add that benefit package in there, the guy's making $35, $40 an hour if you calculate, you know, mm-hmm. what some of those uh, benefits are worth. So I think it's important you have those conversations with your employees and build value because it's going to help you, especially if you're trying to leave to go to another store. That was a point that you brought up in North Carolina, which was, you know, somebody was talking about, I, I can't seem to keep people can't seem to keep techs. I can't seem to keep even, you know, hydrotechs, lot porters, that kind of stuff. And, you know, any suggestions and, and Nate brought up a fascinating point, which is how many of you even know what your, what your team members make. And, you know, everybody's like, Oh, I totally know, you know, we pay them, you know, $35 flat rate and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, is, is that it? Because yeah, I'd probably leave too. If that was all I was getting, he's like, how about healthcare? And how about, uh, you know, uh, the match for your 401k and all this stuff. And he's created benefit packages for, you know, quite frankly, financial acumen is, is not a language most people speak. And to break a lot of that stuff down is super hard. I'm not calling these people mental midgets, but they're not necessarily concerned with 401k and what a 3% match means. And breaking that down to them, Nate was like, yeah, man, you can keep a lot of people around if you if it's if it goes beyond the $20 an hour spectrum of what you're explaining to them, right? And health insurance and whatever that might be. So that was just another area where I think your, your 20 club was like, oh, man, they were writing furiously as you were kind of spitting that out, you know? Okay, so it's interesting. You're sitting there talking about being a wrench back during the fat tire chopper days, and and here you are, number one Ducati Italian, right? That jump from wrenching on Harley's to the Italian world. Obviously, a lot of that had to do with your mentor. You mentioned him earlier, Rock Northy, good friend of ours. So tell us a little bit about the influence that he has on you and uh, kind of the exposure you got to Rock and what that meant to you, given your current situation. Yeah, I mean, I had the amazing opportunity to partner with Rock in 2014. We we bought that first store, and um, man, what what an amazing opportunity! And you know, I look at him; he's like the Godfather, right? Like Marlon Brando. Like I just I can go to him, and he gives you just enough rope to hang yourself. But mm. it's like you just you learn from it. You know, it's it's we have a really good collaborative relationship. So when we get in a room, I'm tossing ideas at him; he's tossing ideas at me. And we typically land somewhere in the middle and it's just worked really, really well. So, um, man, what, what an amazing guy, sharp as a whip, man. Um, I've just learned so many lessons from him. So much gratitude to, for him taking a chance on me because uh, there was a lot of risk with that in, in the beginning. And Rock has a really unique sense of, uh, it's like spidey senses where he's a <laughs> man, amazing judge of character. You know, I can, I can hire the most badass manager guy in the world and I'll, I'll bring him into the fold and introduce him to rock and rock will be like, I don't know. I'm not getting a good, good vibe here. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I'll be like, no way rock. This, this guy is, is, is the best. Like he's going to, we're going to make so much money with this. And then sure as shit, you know, uh, within, you know, a few months, the guy turns out to be a dirt ball. And I'm like, how did you pick that? I mean, it's just a, a really bizarre um, ability. 
but I've seen it happen over and over and over again. So um, you must have saw something in me and, you know, I, I really appreciate that. Man, it's been a great relationship. I've just learned so many lessons. Um, he's a very simple guy, believe it or not, as as sharp and administratively sharp and a numbers guy. He's He really likes to break things down in simple, understandable ways, which I appreciate. And uh, man, it's just crazy smart. So all, all um, those guys yeah. with that kind of wisdom, Nate, you know, I'm thinking of Rick Alcon. I'm thinking of Doug Rudd. All these guys yeah. have been in the industry during the years and they have that spidey sense about them. They all have a way of slowing down and explaining it to you and, and laying it out in a very simplistic form where you're like, mm-hmm. that's the blinding flash of the obvious for the day, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then whenever I have a big idea and I go to rock and he's like, you know what? I, I don't know if I like that. I don't know, but you know, go, go ahead and do it, you know, and let's try it. You know, let's trial this thing out. And if it works, then he's like, oh, okay, let's put this in all the stores. Or if it doesn't work, he's like, hey, at least we tried, you know, and, you know, so he lets he, he really kind of allows you to 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 fail in a way, you know. Yeah, he is a first time ballot motorcycle dealer Hall of Famer, man, when he decides <laughs> to completely retire. He, uh, he he's semi retired from his 20 club at the last meeting, which made me super happy and also broke my heart. But, yeah, that's that's a guy that, um, like I said, he's taught me so much stuff. Uh, people like that. I know a lot of business owners in the industries that we play with that you can look at and say that dude is super successful. That girl has a ton of money, right? But they haven't done much to raise the next generation or float a lot more boats. Rock is a guy that has a big bank account, but he is also, you see the tree that he has left, but the wake that he leaves behind him, uh, he's creating a lot more wealth for a lot more people, which is super cool to see in people that have that kind of success. I love it. So my final question for you, Nate, is, you know, what's next for you, man? You know, you're super successful and kicking ass down there. You're just going to get this thing running on all controls. What do you got going? Man, you know, we have just so much momentum right now coming out of 23, you know, winning that Ducati award and just the systems we have in place and the team I have in place. It's just, you know, we want to raise the bar, you know, we have momentum. So what can we do to raise the bar here? What are we doing in our, in our stores and our departments to really take this thing to the next level so we can keep growing? Sure. I'd love to add more rooftops. I will, I will do that in a responsible way. You know, we'll see what, what, what the future holds, but I can tell you that we're really focused on 2024 looking at each quarter by quarter, you know, where can we elevate? What can we do? So I'm excited, man. I got a question for you on adding more rooftops. And I sit here and I think about like the housing market. And even though, you know, interest rates are through the roof and whatever, you got a lot less buyers out there than you did a year ago. It seems like housing prices have still not come down, maybe relative to where we all thought they would have because of interest rates. So on that note, as you look to buy more rooftops, I think you'd agree with me. There are a lot of people who accidentally made a whole lot of money in power sports over the COVID years. Are they coming to a realization that their dealership isn't worth as much as they thought that it was in 2022? And do you have some of those in your sites already? Well, I've been contacted by at least five or six dealers. They're still just asking for all the money. It's it's going to come around because they're 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 not in a good position, and it's going to get worse because they just they don't have their operations in check. So the time's going to come. It's it's not far away, and I'm going to strike. And uh, it's going to be, 
uh, it's going to be fun because I freaking love it, man. It, this, this, this business has been just so good to me. It's exhilarating. I love what I do when I get up in the morning. I'm excited to go to work. So um, adding love more it. stores in there. And I love fixing stores too. Put me in the biggest shithole you can and I'm going to just get excited to go in there. What can we do? Let's fix this thing. And then it's just, it's just super rewarding. You've, you've heard us say this on the podcast a million times is just what you said. We could take a dealership that has been the biggest shithole and needs a hundred percent revamp and hand it to the right person in the country. And it'll immediately turn and change the market like immediately overnight. Um, And people always say, Oh, it's my, you don't understand my market. You don't understand seasonality. You don't know my town. You don't know the people that work in this town. I'm like, I don't need to. I, cause I know people that could do it. I, you know what dancer, we should, we should start a, we should start a little reality TV show. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, like kitchen rescues and bar rescues. We should be dealer rescues and we should say, I'll, okay, you don't believe it. You, what, how much do you want to bet that I can go find somebody that will turn this into a seven figure dealership starting <laughs> this year? Yeah, it's fun. We'll have a, we'll have Nate on a group of five and we'll just, we'll just, dole them out and you guys are just with a film crew fix them and we'll spit it out on social that'd be awesome that would be, be awesome really it's a hell yeah. of an idea so <laughs> hey man awesome. nate I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us i know you're super busy down there in florida thank you so much really really great podcast episode so appreciate you let's man. make this go to number one man like I, like when you do that year-end recap yeah let, let's do that because i mean i know you, you guys have had new york times bestsellers you guys have had hollywood <laughs> actors you've had ceos <laughs> let's get a dealer up to number one i love okay. it okay we'll, we'll see. I, I like to be number one number one is, is where i like to be okay i love it we'll see we, we will see what shakes out with that so uh for nate stickney and sam dantzler i'm tony gonzalez this has been garage cast thank you guys so much have a fantastic tuesday thanks everyone 